Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who would have never thought that a space shooter from 2007 would have led me to some of the greatest people I have ever met. And I'm Vervada. I definitely agree with that, but also the two people here with me one of them I've known since conception, and the other one I've known for like 12 years, and we still bonded over a space shooter in real life or on the internet. Mass Effect unites us all. Does. Mm-hmm. And if you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking or from exploring the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler-free, then this is not the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, Sam. And for all of the support in both the digital space and the real world that you have shown these two girls. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume that you have some background knowledge of the game and the character in question, but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. Today's episode is super, super special. When this episode comes out on Monday, November 7th, 2022, it'll be exactly one year since these two girls came together to fangirl over all our CGI significant others. Can you believe it's been a whole year? I feel like it's been really fast. It's flown by. It absolutely has flown by. We thought that it would be fun to change things up for this episode. We've spent a year analyzing characters from a few major RPGs, alongside game developer interviews, and of course the amazing chats with our Patreons. And we thought it was high time that we turn the tables on you, dear listener. Today, we are analyzing you. And a special thanks to Liz for the idea. 
So tonight, we are going to cover a few romances from each of the games that we've done in our year together and tell you what it means about you, the players. What do your romance choices say about you? Well, we're about to find out with the help of two very special guests. First guest is my beloved twin sister, known as Muffney Cake on the internet. She's here tonight to put her psychology degree to some use. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Muffiny Cake. Yay! Hi, I'm Muffiny Cake. I am not a therapist. I just have a bachelor's degree in psychology. <laughs> so there's my disclaimer. Anything I say is just for fun. It's not meant to be taken seriously or taken in an insulting way, <laughs> just in case. But um, yeah, so I'm very excited to be here. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, don't take medical advice from her. Yeah, definitely don't. And then our second guest, which obviously the streamers already know, the viewers, is none other than best friend Eileen, who I have talked about many, many times. She's here to provide her valuable thoughts as a fellow fangirl of the romance. Hi. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> also not a psychologist. Don't take any advice from me either. I'm just here to have fun <laughs> and meet all you lovely people. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. And I also would like to say that, Eileen, I've heard that you and I have a lot of romance options in common. So one of oh, these I've days... Heard, I've heard the same. Oh, good. <laughs> I think there, there's a certain... Bold. Yep. I was like, there is a certain character in Inquisition that you and I will sit down and have a very lovely conversation about. I'm here for it. <laughs> Stay tuned, 2023. <laughs> yeah. Also, fun fact about best friend Eileen. We all used to work at Target before my sister and I joined the Navy. And that was where we met her. And that is, like, what did we bond over? Dragon Age or Mass Effect? It was one of them. It was Dragon Age. It was Dragon was Age, because I didn't play Mass Effect until a little bit later. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I actually met the sister first in orientation. And then we're, you know, walking through the store, happy to have our jobs. And uh, I had already made friends with the sister, with Muffiny Cake. And then we passed by V, also walking through the store. And I saw them wave, and we became friends later. She was like, there's two of you? (laughs) (laughs) There was also a lot of awkward moments of... uh, you not knowing who me not knowing how to tell them apart but i tried to play it off like i did so i'm like hey you what's up you? what's up <laughs> and i'd wait for someone to pass by and tip me off what their names were we did have name tags too so i guess you can't read well i don't know sometimes i look i look up okay i look up keep my, my eyes up my eyes are up here <laughs> you don't know how i suffer under your gaze <laughs> yeah best friends forever she she wrote us a boot camp too about dragon age 2 coming out and she even like wrote it on parchment and like burned the edges with a lighter to make it look super cool yeah we kept those yeah (laughs) i love that no that's amazing oh nerding out in all the best ways okay now for tonight there is no way that we can cover every romance option from every game that we've covered so far tonight in one episode So please let us know on our socials, Twitter, Insta, Discord, or even by email, if you would like us to do an episode like this again, because we love love and we'll do all the romance episodes. So tonight, we will be discussing two characters from each game series. The series being Mass Effect, Dragon Age, Cyberpunk, 
and Fallout 4. Okay, my sister's doing this part. She forgot to put her M there. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's my first time. So I just wanted to briefly touch on some of the things that some of the psychological concepts we'll be covering in this episode. Everybody knows we all have personalities. We all tend towards extroversion, introversion. But I kind of want to cover what in the psychology world, other than, you know, people are very familiar with Enneagrams, probably, you know, the seven types and then the Myers-Briggs. People probably have taken the quiz on 16personalities.com. But in the psychology world, there's the big five personality traits, which I'm sure most of you guys have heard of um, as an acronym. It's OCEAN. It stands for Openness to New Experiences, Conscientiousness, Extroversion, Agreeableness, and Neuroticism. All of those were kind of going to touch on basically um, with all of the romance options, basically. So who you choose to romance, what that says about you, where you might fall on the spectrum of the big five personality traits. But once again, it's just for fun. Not a psychologist. (laughs) Yeah. Don't take this as dating advice either. It's not. This is just for funsies. Yeah. I think it's fun just to talk about the stuff because we all know all of these characters' personalities. But some of them, you know, you don't click with. You don't fall in love with them as much. Um, And this might be part of the reason why. Exactly. Okay, so we're going to start with Mass Effect, because that's the game that brought us together originally. And we're going to start with the very first episode subject of Two Girls, One Ship, which was Liara to Sony. So to refresh your memory... Liara is a romance option through all three of the games, although kind of like arguably not really the second one, I guess. We've only covered the first two games so far, so we're just talking about Liara in the context of Mass Effect 1 and 2. So in the first game, when you meet her, she's young, romantically inexperienced scientist who is easily labeled Shepard's fangirl and a damsel in distress. Although she is brave and strong all on her own, regularly traipsing through ancient ruins all by her little lonesome. I can't wait until 23 when we get to talk Liara, Mass Effect 3. Oh, it's Mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. Like we said in her episode, our very first episode ever that introduced the Clam Jammer, (laughs) Liara is very much the doe-eyed fangirl, crushing hard on Shepard, even if you choose not to romance her. All of her interactions with Shepard in the first game are of her being submissive and awestruck, very much in contrast to her badass transformation in 2. Liara was always intelligent and confident in her own skills, but it definitely was a trial by fire in the two years after Shepard's death, where she learned to trust herself more and claim her own power. She basically stopped worrying about what other people thought of her. Yep. So, if you romanced her, dear shipmates, shipsters, whatever you want to be called, what does that say about you? I'm gonna pass it off. We're gonna we're gonna do a little free for all. You want you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I guess we could probably talk about how Liara changes pretty significantly over the course of the games. So Mass Effect One, uh, Liara started off kind of naive, you know, a little bit doe-eyed coming into the world she's she seems to idolize Shepard a lot so there's a bit of a power imbalance if you notice when you come into a relationship with Liara in the first game so if you kind of 
felt yourself more attracted to Liara, you may be someone who likes to feel more in control in the relationship, someone who wears the pants, for lack of a better term. You might be somebody who tends to go for people a little bit younger than you, maybe because you enjoy their carefree attitude, their naivete, um, immaturity, not as an insult, more as a, you know, more life is new and fresh kind of outlook. You may be somebody who enjoys being the main character. So somebody who looks up to you and kind of idolizes you in a way. Um, main character energy. So might be something like that. Mass Effect 2, you know, kind of, even though there's not a whole lot of romance with Liara in that, it definitely balances out quite a bit because of her personality shift. Um, it's a little bit jarring maybe for some people, but ultimately it does shift the um, power in the relationship to a more even, like it's a little bit more even. So I thought it was a little bit better. Definitely seemed like her personality fit the situation a little bit better than it did in the first game. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. But you might be somebody who also enjoys intensity, thrill seeking. Um, so in that big five uh, scale that we talked about earlier, you might be somebody who would score high on extroversion and a little bit lower in agreeableness. Thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Pass it off to the BFE. Hey. Best for Darlene. So I kind of, I kind of, I wrote some notes on terms of like mm-hmm. ocean so I could keep it all in check. And I also did like a one to five scale. So let's see if past Eileen agrees, <laughs> or sorry, future Eileen. <laughs> Present Agreed. Eileen. Present Eileen <laughs> agrees with past Eileen. So I kind of put it for like, I've always felt like Liara is a character that was very much done dirty by Bioware for kind of throughout, more so in the first game. They get better moving forward. But in the first game, like, I, I have a kind of a negative view on her romance in the first game. It's very like, so for example, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, a cowboy mentality, the marshal riding into town to see Miss Kitty, and she's always there to, like, emotionally support them, even though maybe they don't know that they need it. Like, she's the fangirl. And uh, so, like, for, like, openness to new experiences, put three out of five. Like, she's, I feel like it's a very safe option, you know? Yeah, it's like, you like carrots, maybe you try celery one time, you know? <laughs> it's different, not that different. You're not being that adventurous. <laughs> For conscientiousness, um, I feel like you don't really need to be that conscientious to be with her. Because, I mean, you pretty much know what's going on with her with the mind-melding thing. And she's very open about her feelings as an extrovert. I don't know. I don't see her as much of a party girl in uh, in Mass Effect 1. You're probably not going to have to be going out doing things. Maybe occasionally a dig site, you know. But you're probably not going to be hanging out in a big social setting. Um, agreeableness... I think she might challenge you a little bit, but honestly, like, you can be pretty agreeable either way with her. And then neuroticism. So my understanding with that is, like, how well, and maybe I'm incorrect on this, is, like, being able to keep yourself, like, your emotional, your emotions, like, in check. Yep. Yeah. And for neuroticism, I don't know, maybe you need a bit more validation with, to be with Liara because she very much, like, builds shepherds up and, like, oh, you're, you're so cool. You're so great. Anyway, that's Liara. Also, really, I kind of want to bring up something. So Daddy Bat Knight in the comments said that he actively tried to romance Ashley, and he still ended up with Liara simply because he was social with her. And actually, 
the number one predictor of attraction is actually proximity. So there's definitely something to that because Liara is a safe option, but she's also just there all the time in Mass Effect 1. So that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I think I had some, I said this in Liara's episode a whole year ago, a whole ass year ago. <laughs> I was like, I think a lot of her attraction to Shepard had to do with the fact that she had to mind meld with you. Like that had, that played a big role and she's so young. So it kind of just, yeah, like, it's her first big crush basically. Yeah. Mass Effect 3 Liara would not get in a lineup and say, like, who do you choose? Like, mm-hmm. you know, Mass Effect 3 Liara would hold the door open. Better. Yeah. That was my question to, to shipmates out there. It's like, for those of you who really liked Liara in Mass Effect 1, did you like her in Mass Effect 2 and 3? Because right. she's very different and her relationship fulfillment is from a completely different angle, I feel like. So I don't know if they would be equally as attracted to her. Unless they grew too, maybe they were younger and the games came out and, you know, they got older and they matured and maybe they preferred the R that way after all. I don't know. Write in your thoughts on Discord. <laughs> I feel like Mass Effect 1, Liara, she, she don't quite know her worth yet. And she got worth and she hasn't realized that about herself yet. So okay. She needs to grow a bit more. Thoughts. <laughs> what do you uh, think, Jen? What do I think about Liara? Yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> um wrap that okay. up <laughs> so yeah okay so if i'm being like a hundred percent true honesty now because now this isn't our our not bipartisan but let's it's like straight down the middle non-judgmental neutral. version of neutral right because we try and keep our For episodes yes we try to keep our episodes <laughs> with an open mind about it and not try to interject a whole lot of our own personal feelings about the character in it. Mass Effect 1 Liara is way too submissive for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I, I was like, I need a woman who can put up with me. I need somebody <laughs> who can not, not necessarily put up with, but also I don't want my personality to over power them and i feel like with liara in one i would just run right over her Mm-mm. yeah but she gets way better i like her in two <laughs> she's a lot snarkier she will stand up she grows a backbone um and you hear it in the in her office when she's like i will rip out your spine and i'm like wow where did you come from <laughs> and then in three I can't get over her tits. Like, she's gorgeous. <laughs> like, she's aging. The source of her power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I will say, like, another disclaimer is that, like, these traits of relationships between either, like, what we think it might say about you or what we're saying about the character, they're neutral also. Like, mm-hmm. they're, there's very few traits that we're going to talk about that we're like, hey, that's toxic behavior. Most of them are just like, hey, that's a personality quirk. Like, that's just who you are. And they're right for somebody. Obviously, Liara is not our cup of tea in Mass Effect 1. She's somebody's cup of tea, though. And that's what compatibility is all about. You ready to move on to our boy? We are. I am so ready to move on to our boy. He's everyone's boy in this chat right now. Yay. All right. So now we will be moving on to the Turian that brought these four girls together. (laughs) Garrus motherfucking Vicarian. (sighs) 
swoon. Out of Mass Effect 1 and Mass Effect 2, Garrus is only romanceable in the second game. And like we said in our episode on him, Garrus is your right-hand Turian, whether you romance him or not. He is the good cop and the bad cop. After the two years Shepard spent dead, Garrus has changed. He has grown bitter and disgusted by the injustices he sees day in and day out. Yeah, <laughs> poor Garrus. <sighs> what was once an idealistic young rookie has turned into a cocky badass with deadpan snark. You know I love to see it, though. Following Shepard's death, the only squad might have been forcibly changed and emotionally scarred as much as Garrus as Liara. Garrus was hugely affected by Shepard's death. Because Shepard was Garrus' sounding board, his moral compass, and all that. Listen to our episode on him if you want to hear more on that. This creates an interesting romantic dynamic, though, for femsheps. Because, well, the femsheps that choose to tango with this Turian. <laughs> so, what does it say about you, listener, if you chose to romance Garrus? Starting with Muffiny Cake. Just go in order again. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so if you chose to do the smart thing. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not judging. <laughs> and romance Garrus Vicarian. What that might say about you is you value a relationship that's built on mutual respect and utmost trust. Because we all know Garrus, he's got a moral compass and he doesn't really sway from it. He knows what he wants. You also might be a demisexual because let's be honest, when you first laid out on Garrus, was your first thought, damn, that's a fine piece of meat. No, you were probably like, what is that? Is that a chicken? Because that's what I thought anyway. But then he opened his mouth, right? And then we all fell in love. But also, the more you listen to him talk, the more you get to know him, the more you're like, his personality is why I stick around. It's the best personality ever. You also probably value emotional and spiritual attraction. You know, underneath Garrus's tough, badass exterior, he's also very soft and sensitive inside. You might be someone who also appreciates a partner in a more supportive role to your choices because... You know, as the games kind of go along and you move into into the later part of the games, Garrus kind of, he kind of supports you in every way you want. You know, like, he's there for Shepard, whether you romance him or not. Like, he is going to be the person who is supporting your choices, supporting any kind of, like, decision you make. He's going to just follow through with it. You also might tend a little bit higher on extroversion and openness to experience. Because let's be honest, if you're going to romance someone of another species, especially a Turian, they don't look super soft and snuggly. You probably are somebody who open trying new things. <laughs> yeah. Especially because they kind of just, you were at war with them like 26 years before <laughs> this. So pretty cool. Okay. So to kind of bounce off the voice thing. So when you guys did, I just, <laughs> I just want to say this. So when you guys did your episode on Garrus, um, somebody posed the question of like, you know, in terms of if they should make him player sexual, you know, and, and why would an alien care about, like, what physical things we got going on? And I kind of stopped and asked myself, and I'm like, what, would I would I care if Garrus was real? And then I'm like, with that voice and that personality, I don't think I would. And I was, I, I learned something about myself <laughs> listening to that episode. <laughs> so... On to the, the scoring thing. So openness to new experiences, yes. Like, you got to be, you don't know what you're working with in that. Like, he, you know, things might be what you expect them to be and they might not be. You got to roll with the punches if you're going to date a Turian. 
Especially the whole, like, Levo, Dextro thing. Like, I don't know. Though I kind of think Morden's kind of messing with Shepard with that. That's just my opinion. I think he's just messing with Shepard. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Anyway, (laughs) so for conscious uh, conscientiousness, I kind of read that as like how well you're good at like reading people. Mass Effect 2 Garrus obviously has been through a lot and he's, you know, very closed off. And that kind of is what his mission, his loyalty mission is about. And you can kind of read, you as the player, read into it in multiple ways. Do you need to let him take the shot or not? You know? By Mass Effect 3, I think he gets a bit, he and Shepard are are much more like, I mean, they're a team before, but I feel like they're more of a partnership, at least romantically. So I think you kind of have to be good at reading people with him. You have to be conscientious of people's emotions to be with Garrus. Extroversion. He does mock Shepard in the... Uh, Citadel DLC with the dancing even though they use the same dancing animation <laughs> but apparently he knows how to dance maybe he goes clubbing with the with the cops on their downtime I don't know but I put it as a 3 out of 5 you know I, th- I think he'll go out I think you can go out with Garrus and be around people I don't think he always wants to be closed up all the time despite what he does in Mass Effect 2 but he's in a bad place Mass Effect 2 um, agreeableness he does tend to go along with what Shepard wants to do, but I don't know. He, he can be snarky. He'll talk back. I don't think you have to agree be agreeable with everything your partner wants to do all the time, you know, to be with Garrus. So I put that as like a three out of five. Neuroticism. I put that as like low. Like, I think you, you can... Actually, I don't know. Maybe I disagree with that now. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking past Eileen? I don't know. Past Eileen was thinking like, nah, you don't gotta be like... He does kind of build Shepard up a bit, especially Mass Effect 3, but also Mass Effect 3, like, Shepard's under a shit ton of pressure. Like, you probably need to be built up a little bit. I'd say you probably can be average on that. I don't think you have to be, like, super secure in yourself all the time, 100%. You are a rock all the time. I think you can be a little vulnerable with him and you're emotionally. Okay, I'll stop. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm done. <laughs> I can keep going, but we can't. We don't got time. We always have time for gears. <laughs> I was just going to say, I love that about, I guess, the, one of the reasons I was attracted to Garrus is that fact of like, you see both Shepard and Garrus have their bad moments. Mm-hmm. And the other one is like, oh, I have to be the stronger one right now. They're perfectly matched for they they can tell when the other one needs a little bit extra support. And then they're that way for the other one when they need it. And I love that. And that is what you should have. At least in my opinion, that's what I want. So that was why I really liked Garrus. Agreed. I just love everything about the man. Like, he's, he's funny. He's sexy. The voice. The new experiences. You know, it's, I don't know, and I don't think that I could ever really put a finger directly on, this is the reason why. I just fell for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is no shepherd without Vicarian. Nope. Agreed. So let's go into a little bit of a mid-break and thank our patrons because you guys are amazing. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mid-break dance. Oh, everybody's got to join in on the mid-break dance. Yay. <laughs> Eileen's hand from <laughs> the side of the screen. I love it. I love it. And I love our patrons. Are you freaking kidding me? Um, a year you guys have been with us and supporting us. And so I'm going to go through the whole damn list because I feel like it. If you have ever been a part of the Two Girls One Ship Patreon, here is your shout out on our one year anniversary. Toasty, my beast mode, I love you. And also, Muffiny Cake, Apollo, Cloudy, Meiji Moose, Captain Shanko, Yuri, Stone Mystios, The Dragon Age Lorecast, Miss Shelby, thank you, Psych88, Becky, Kathy, Drew, Luke, Wynn, and Bat Knight. <sighs> Thank you. You amazing, amazing people. And also, you know what? There are four people here who follow our Patreon, but have not signed up yet. So Courier7, Demi, Devin, and Vector. What are you waiting for? It's only a dollar a month if you want to join. Give us money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yay! Okay. Well, I hate to say goodbye. I think <laughs> it's time to move on to our next, uh, our next character, our next game series, which is another Bioware series, and it is Dragon Age. And we, of course, have covered all of the Dragon Age origin characters so far, and we are working our way through Dragon Age Two. We have a couple people left to talk about. Actually, the two most controversial ones, right? <laughs> yeah, and the ones we disagree on. <laughs> We're going to go from our one year anniversary of, oh my God, we love each other so much, to, I cannot believe that you like this guy. <laughs> Next two episodes going to be feisty. Yeah. Okay. But let's get to a guy that we both agree on. Mm. Alistair. Oh, Allie. <laughs> the ginger king of Ferelden. Or maybe the wandering drunk Grey Warden. Or maybe a corpse. <laughs> and that's all depending on how you play the game. But this portion of the show is for those heroes of Ferelden who licked a lamppost in winter with Alistair. He is the heartthrob, rom-com, perfect Dorkable baby boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> ah, my first Bioware love. I always have a special place in my heart for him. Um, So, you know, if you've romanced Alistair, you popped his cherry. You know that. He's apparently rather talented in that department, too, despite having little experience in the tent. I mean, bedroom. I mean, if you talk with Isabella and Dragon Age Origins, she seems quite impressed. If you got that threesome down. And he's got big golden retriever energy. He's a people pleaser, if you know what I mean. 
Okay, so I'm going to interject here for just a second because despite having little experience in the tent, well, I'm sorry, but every time that I logged out of the game, I would go back to the campsite, I would make sure everybody's rested and healed up, and I'd fuck my man before I hit save for the end of the night and log off. So he ended up getting a lot of damn experience before we went to go meet Izzy. Listen to that song play. <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. If you are like us and Rome, did you romance Alistair too? I sure, you sure did. did. That's what I thought. Oh, we all romance yeah, Alistair also. I read all his comic books. Same. Him yeah. And- oh, he's a beaut. Um, okay. <laughs> so, so if you romance Alistair like us, what does that say about you? Take it away, muffiny cake. Well, it probably says that you place a high value on your partner being vulnerable with you, showing their emotional side, being sensitive, someone who's a true companion you can really open up to. You place a very high emphasis on a compatible sense of humor. So, you know, because he tells hilarious jokes all the time. He's a bit of a dork. But, you know, you got to love that. You got to love that about him. You enjoy having a partner that can make you laugh. You also might have a high degree of conscientiousness and agreeableness because Alistair does. So in the conscientiousness sense, he has a high degree of empathy, hence why he also makes a good lover. Agreeableness, you know, he does what's best for the realm, whether or not that's in his own best interest or not, but he will always make sure you're taken care of. And that's something that you value as well. And you will also give that back to him. So if you are an Alistair lover like us... You're probably one of those highly empathetic people. Yeah, you're probably cool. (laughs) (laughs) You're like us. (laughs) Here's best friend Eileen. Oh boy. Okay. So. Boy. (laughs) We're gonna kill it again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, quick story. First game of Inquisition. He was the warden that showed up, and so was one of my favorite hawks. So I had to choose between them. And that was honestly like the most painful freaking gaming experience ever for me. Probably to this day. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's just, he's awesome. Like, I'll go into my scores now. I don't, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get lost. <laughs> um, openness to new experiences. I think I gave that, I, I gave that a four out of five. Because when, you, when you're romancing Alistair, this future is very uncertain. You know, he could just go off and die a great warden or become king and put you aside or you become his mistress um so if you're romancing alistair you're probably pretty open to new experiences surprisingly (laughs) for especially for someone who's very as as inexperienced as he is conscientiousness you're probably a pretty conscientious person as muffiny says i agree with that he is pretty upfront if i recall correctly it's been a while since i played the game i recall him being pretty upfront with his feelings and Mm. You know, as soon as he starts feeling them, he's like, you make me crazy. And I'm like, hmm. oh, I do? Oh, yeah? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that, those were the drugs for 16-year-old V. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I found this flower in all this destruction, and I thought of you. And oh, oh right here. The rose. <laughs> oh, you bet I kept that in my inventory all the time. <laughs> I think, oh, there were mods that had, like, wedding scenes for him, and I sure downloaded those at the end of the game oh we had a wedding and it was wonderful oh anyway (laughs) um extroversion 
I don't know. I don't see him being too extroverted, honestly, in that game. I mean, like a bit in terms of like, you know, if, if you if you harden him and then he's like, yeah, well, we can do a threesome. That's cool. But if you don't, then he's not. So I don't know. You probably don't need to be that extroverted to be with Alistair. Agreeableness. I guess you can be agreeable or not agreeable. I don't know. I don't. Depends which Alistair you get. If you have, like, the soft Alistair, I mean, I don't know. He'd probably go along with whatever you want to do. You got the hard Alistair, which is one I prefer. <laughs> He'd probably push back a little bit. So you could probably just be somewhat agreeable. Fine. And then the last one was neuroticism. Um, he does build the warden up a lot. But again, kind of like Shepard, the warden's under a lot of pressure. Probably could use a, a bit of building up. So you can probably be... a pretty neutral person in terms of how good you're able to control your emotions and yeah that's all i have to say about that i just just want to say something say something i just want to say something real quick say something real quick so neuroticism probably gonna nobody on here is probably gonna score pretty high neuroticism because imagine yourself as a player you're immersing yourself into these storylines which are full of stress all sorts of trials and tribulations. If you are high in neuroticism in the game, <laughs> you're you're playing almost as your ideal self, your idealized self. And like me personally, I'm probably pretty high in neuroticism in real life. But in the game, uh-uh, nothing phases me. I'm God. I will mm-hmm. I will destroy my enemies. So this kind of is almost like your idealized version. So I'm not I'm gonna say every single person on this list probably not going to be very high in neuroticism because we're all going to be cool as cucumbers, you know, <laughs> when <laughs> anything goes down. Yeah, we're all going to be very emotionally stable. We're not going to be prone to anxiety or depression. You know, we got to save Ferelden. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got other things to worry about. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I couldn't kill a herlock. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, not in real life. Oh, no. <laughs> I would just die. As a great warden, though? Yeah. Unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially Origins Herlocks. Yeah. They're like a nightmare. That was nightmare fuel. <laughs> Which ones were the spell casty ones? Because the spell casting Darkspawn <laughs> in Origins, remember. those ones piss me off. I'm going to watch them. It's going to hit me like halfway down this list and I'll. Shout I won't out. be able to stop myself from shouting it out. <laughs> oh, that's fine. <laughs> because I yeah. will know exactly what Wait, you're talking about. And I I'll agree with you. Well, what, what you do have the internet. Uh, so uh, you look up the spellcasty ones, and I will start talking about my favorite horny bitch in the world. Yes. Uh, Isabella. So I was. Emissary. I, what? It's an emissary. <laughs> oh, the emissary. Okay. Yep. <laughs> You Sorry. I love you. Love you, too. Okay. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about Izzy and her beautiful titties. Because I didn't get to talk about them in her episode. The woman is built like the ideal body type. Or at least, in my personal opinion, what I would love to see in a woman. And that is just cruel. Cruel, cruel, cruelness. Okay, so she is also unique enough and popular enough that we chose her as the Dragon Age character to do for this episode. <laughs> to do for this episode. Isabella is the queen of the Eastern Seas and the promiscuous pirate captain companion of Dragon Age 2's Hawk. Isabella, 
she replaced emotional intimacy with physical intimacy, which, you know, is not a problem for some people. Um, and she doesn't like bringing pesky feelings into her interpersonal relations. So what does that say about you? If you wanted to romance Isabella, I guess it depends on how you chose to romance her because you could have her just be like a one night stand. Or did you want the tempestuous temptress to settle down with you? Good luck. Okay, here's Muffin Cake. <laughs> All right. So if you chose to romance Isabella, you're Jen. No, I'm just kidding. But also, <laughs> but also you may be someone who values independence and individuality in their partners. So you don't want to be, you know, losing your identity in your relationship, which is pretty common. You want to maintain your sense of independence. You also will most likely score high in openness to new experiences. People who score high in this area particularly very highly in this area, have been linked to having more liberal sexual attitudes, more imaginative sexual fantasies, and you're going to like this, Jen, Hmm. more pleasurable sexual experiences specifically for women. So if that sounds like you, you probably romanced Isabella and you probably had a great time. Any thoughts? (laughs) Women, men are good for one thing. Women are good for at least six. Yeah, that's what Isabel says. I love it. What, what, are those, what are those six things, though? I don't know. We're probably not supposed to ask that. I want to know. I can guess. I'll tell you off screen. <laughs> so, um, I remember I used to hang around the Bioware social network a lot, you know, before it was like closed down. And I remember the day they first announced Isabella as a companion. And, uh, I remember being so excited about it because I remember her from Origins and obviously they they changed her appearance a lot and made her much more like unique looking because in Origins, she's just kind of an NPC. Yeah. Um, She also had, I believe, Queen Honora's voice in Origins and then they changed it for Dragon Age 2. Yeah, I like Isabella. Um, I actually find myself as I've gotten older, like agreeing with her more in terms of like... I don't need love right now. Just, just do my own thing, you know? And um, so I, I feel like, you know, I gave it five out of five for openness to new experiences because she, she strikes me as someone who is not afraid to experiment. Uh, and you probably are not either. Conscious, conscientiousness, um, I did that. I think you kind of have to be pretty good at, at being, uh, being able to read your partner and where they are emotionally with her because... She does kind of put up a front, like she's tough and she is tough, but she also kind of puts up a front, like she's been hurt. Um, and you need to be able to, you know, to be with Isabella on that kind of level, you kind of need to be able to know when, uh, how, how to read that. Uh, extroversion, she is very, I, I think she's very extroverted. You probably are an extroverted person as well. I give that five out of five. Agreeableness, um... She strikes me as someone who marches to a beat of her own drum, and you probably have to go right along with her. Uh, so I did. I gave five out of five. You probably need to be a pretty agreeable person. Neuroticism. God, that sounds like such a negative word. Does, yeah. God. <laughs> you probably have to be pretty secure with yourself to to romance Isabella. Okay, that's that's all I gotta say. Yeah, you gotta. You gotta make sure you're not a jealous type person. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. Yeah. I don't think she she'll ever be a full monogamist, and that's fine. But you have to be okay with that for Isabella. Yeah, 
Absolutely agree. And you also have to be very open to possibly sleeping with Varric, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or Fenris, or anyone, really. Maybe more than one other person. I also, one of the other things that I really do love about Izzy is something that was touched upon uh, with her relationship with Aveline. Um, The fact that she is there building up other women and she builds a, well, she builds a sexual confidence in Aveline, who didn't really have that. She was very shy when it came to the new relationship she was trying to get into. And I love that about her. Mm-hmm. We stand a woman who's for women and anyone, really. And so I think that's going to wrap it up here for the night. Ladies, this has been an amazing night. And I can't wait for it to happen again. I feel like this could definitely be a thing. Maybe we'll start incorporating the little analysis of who would romance this character into our main show lines. But get the four of us back together to round out the rest of our year one cast. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's do some plugs. Not those kind of plugs. (laughs) I was like, do you have plugs? Kill my sister. Oh. Okay, let's... Are you ready to talk? Are you dying? I'm talking. Okay. I mean, I can. <laughs> I was just gonna say, where can they find you, Muffiny Cake? Yeah, I'm on Twitch on Muffiny Cake, but I don't stream. I just comment constantly when you guys are live streaming. <laughs> and best friend Eileen doesn't have plugs because she's super exclusive. If you want access to her, you can't have it. You can just tell me what you would have told her. At least, at least, not, at least not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Told you exclusive. Limited edition. <laughs> Only one in existence. Unlike me, where there's three, if we're counting Cloudy. <laughs> or four, if you also got my kid who looks strangely like me, too. Miniature me. Strangely yeah. like you or just genetically like you because Genet- you know you're her, her mom. <laughs> like unnervingly. Oh. All right. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me in the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host Toasty. And of course, in our Two Girls One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. Come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls one ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm in the Robots Radio Discord as well and on our own two girls one ship Discord server where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Wednesdays and Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Or you can watch the YouTube video a few days after the stream. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember, beauty's in the eye of the controller. Love Dragon Age? 
Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember, swooping is bad.